Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. This week, we're talking with Alex Gino about what it means to be an ally. Alex broke ground in the children's book world with their debut novel, George, about a transgender girl who wants the world to see her the way she sees herself. If George is an ode to claiming your own identity, Alex's latest book, You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P., examines the other side of the coin, how to support someone in your life who may not be afforded the same privileges that you are. Jilly thinks she has life figured out, but when her sister is born deaf, she realizes how much she still has to learn. Soon, Jilly befriends Derek, who is a deaf black American sign language user. She goes to Derek for advice, but doesn't always know the best way to ask for it. She makes some mistakes along the way. Ultimately, Jilly has to learn to be an ally, a sister, and a friend, understanding that life can work in different ways for different people. Alex will talk with us today about their two middle-grade novels and why it's so important to encourage empathy and compassion in young readers. Welcome to the program. Hi. We are so happy that you are here. We've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Tell us about You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P. Sure. So You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P. is my second middle grade novel. And it's about Jillian Perillo, who is 12 years old, white, hearing, and she lives in Piedmont, California. Uh, Her baby sister is born deaf. And she has deaf black friends and um, black people in her family. And she's starting to realize where her privilege lies and what it means and how to ally with other people without centering herself. I love the cover of your new book. Could you describe it for our listeners? Well, it's gorgeous. Um, No, so what it is, is it has uh, Jilly P and her deaf black friend Derek, Um, but all we see are sort of the edges of them, and the main part of the space, the main part of the page is the space between them. And so Jilly has a little blue earring on, and Derek has a little red hearing aid, and in the middle it says in giant letters, you don't know everything, Jilly P., And everything is in, like, super italics. And I love it because it's about the space between them. Before we talk more about the book, I'm very interested in your own connection to the deaf community when you were a child. Could you talk about that a bit? Sure. So my father's parents were deaf. And so I grew up going to the Staten Island Deaf Club, which my grandfather was one of the co-founders of. And so a lot, especially when I was really young, we would go and it would be Saturday night, loud as anything, because deaf people play the music so loud that the floor shakes so they can all feel the rhythm. And it's a little overwhelming for a five-year-old, but it's um, 
lots of laughter and hands flying everywhere saying everything across the room and um it's absolutely i mean it's it is a culture right there is a deaf culture and there is a separate thing which is that the larger world is mostly hearing and the communication style that we use is based on our ears so being deaf is an issue of communication more than anything else and so that's where um my connection with my grandparents is weaker than i'd like it to be in the way that a lot of um children and grandchildren of immigrants especially grandchildren of immigrants have a tough time connecting with their grandparents because they don't speak the same language that's what i had with my grandparents I knew a few signs and they certainly spoke some English and so we connected a little bit but it was always at a very superficial level it was always at a very um concrete level we weren't as I got older as I got into my teen years we weren't able to have like deep discussions huh interesting is that partly what inspired you to write this novel that is part of it part of it is i grew up watching my grandmother who was an amazing lip reader. And that's like that was what is always touted in family. She was an amazing lip reader. Uh but even the most amazing lip readers only catch about half of it. And they catch it when the context is clear, they catch it when we know what we're talking about, they catch it when like when the conversation is already happening. But the second one word gets missed, you can totally lose the thread of the conversation and then you can be lost. And so I spent a lot of time watching my grandmother nod and smile and and give up on asking. Um and most younger deaf people who I know don't do that because of a different amount of of respect that they've been given growing up. My grandmother grew up in an oral school. So she was all of her education happened through spoken English. She was not allowed to learn in ways that were natural for her. And so she learned to adapt. She adapted amazingly, but that's still constantly adapting. And so um it was important for me to think about characters who who have the tools and the resources to stand their own and to recognize that they deserve for the world to adapt to them. I'd love now for you to read an excerpt from the book Introduce Us to Jilly P. I'm going to read from sort of from the second chapter. We are waiting for the phone call from dad that Jilly's baby sister is born. And so we're making um Jilly and her best friend Macy are making um happy 0th birthday cards <laughs> because it's not her first birthday, it's her 0th birthday. Whatever, says Macy. I'll just write welcome baby Perillo. Pass me the turquoise. Turquoise is her favorite color. No one, not even me, is allowed to use her turquoise glitter pen without permission. 18 letters and two punctuation marks? That's a lot of precious, precious turquoise ink. I pull out the purple glitter pen and stare at the card I'm working on, trying to find spots that need more sparkle when my phone buzzes. This is it. A text from my dad. Baby sister, signed, sealed, and delivered. On my way. 
She's born. She's born. Dad's coming to get me now. Macy and I get up and do the dance we've named the Baby Sister Slide. First, you put your left hand on your left hip to a count of three, then the same on your right. Then you shake your hips three times, extend your foot out to the side, and swoop your body over to meet it. That's the slide part. And clap. So easy, a baby sister could do it. You can dance it together in a line, mirror a partner face-to-face, or if you're like me, go solo in the middle of your bedroom dance floor. When the doorbell rings, Macy and I run for the door. The smile on Dad's face is so big it makes my cheeks hurt. He throws his arms wide open and announces, She's beautiful! Just beautiful! Get over here, Jilly Billy! He picks me up and spins me around the room. Hi, Trisha, he says once I'm back on the ground. Good to see you. You too, Dominic. Congratulations. So, I ask, what's her name? Yeah, J.D., spill it, says Macy. Emma. The name sounds like a sunbeam radiating off his tongue. Emma, I repeat. It's lovely. Well done, J.D., worth the wait. Thanks, J.F. J.B.F.F., Macy corrects Dad. O-A-S-I-N-D-I-A. Oops, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. That's one of their standards. I'm glad my dad and my best friend get along so well, but right now there's a brand new baby sister to see, and now is not the time. So I grab dad's hand and pull him towards the door. In the car, dad can't stop talking about what a great job mom did, and how Emma is such a perfect little baby, and he knows I'm going to fall in love with her the moment I see her. He drives into a parking garage as tall as the hospital across the street. We wind around and up the concrete structure until Dad finds a spot in Level 3, Section B. B for baby, I announce. B for baby, Dad confirms. We take an elevator downstairs to cross the road and enter the hospital itself. On the maternity ward, Dad lets me open the door to Mom's room. She's wearing a thin blue hospital gown. I can tell she was asleep because her head jerks up and she blinks a few times before smiling. Her face is pale and her hair is stringy, but the smile in her eyes is bright. Hey, you two. Emma's sleeping. She nods over at the corner of her room, where Emma is nestled inside a plastic and steel crib. I go over to peer in, but all I can see is a mass of fabric with a smoosh of pink peeking out between her hat and her blanket. Come on over here, Jilly, so your mom can give you a big hug and kiss. Mom groans when she shifts in bed, but she wraps her arm around me and it feels cozy. I don't want her to let go. I missed her last night and this morning. And even though people have babies all the time, I was a tiny bit worried about her. Maybe even a little more than a tiny bit. Oh, these are so sweet, she exclaims when I give her the cards Macy and I made. And Macy used turquoise. We must really rate. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Alex. Sure thing. As our listeners can tell, there's so much joy in this book, so much joy. But you also tackle really tough subjects like racism, intolerance, violence. How did you strike the balance in this book? A lot of writing and rewriting and conversations and rethinking it and showing to people conversations with my editor, David Levithan, but also conversations with black people in my life, conversations with deaf people in my life, conversations with um, on, just on the Internet, like reading up on like where things are now, because I knew how my grandparents were being deaf in the 80s, which is very different than 
than being deaf now, right? Cochlear implants were not a thing 30 years ago. There was lots of taking that in, and then the work was in layering it together and threading it together so that it was one story. Because there's there's a number of things going on, but they all do connect. Now, if we're in a classroom and we want to do a term paper comparing Jilly P. with George from your previous novel, how would we do that? (laughs) So... If George is a book about being yourself and stepping up and moving forward and and proclaiming, Jilly P is a book about seeing other people for who they are and taking a move back and saying, I need to give this other person more space. Now, Jilly P learned some very tough lessons, and she does make mistakes. No doubt we've all found ourselves in her shoes from time to time. How can we turn our own mistakes into productive experiences? I will say it it should be a productive experience, but that doesn't mean it has to be a comfortable experience. It can be uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable is not the same as being unsafe. And if I have to be uncomfortable to sit with something so that someone else can be more safe, that is not only worth it to do, that's my obligation. And so the first thing is um, to recognize that you may get defensive and you may try to explain why it wasn't your fault, but it doesn't matter whether it was your fault so much as that it happened. Whether or not it was your intention, there was still an impact. So apologize for the impact. Don't excuse your intention. And then you're probably still going to have feelings of feeling really bad. Yeah, great. You should own them, acknowledge them. They're real. And go talk with someone who shares that privilege about what that experience was like. Hash it out. Start making plans for next time. What's not helpful is dumping all of that guilt onto the marginalized person. So... I'm thinking a lot about your debut novel, George, when I knew we were going to interview you. That made such an impact. It won many, many awards. It's also on the ALA's list of most challenged books in 2016, 2017. Why is it so important that all children be able to see themselves, regardless of what some adults may think? Um, Adults often think that... Kids know a lot less about themselves and that therefore they need to know a lot less about the world than they actually do. Um, We are all living beings. And by the time you're, you know, any age, you know, sort of, you start to have preferences real early, right? Like really little babies. Some of them will love carrots and some of them will love peas. And we are all different from like the very first moment. And so having access and tools to seeing different reflections is critical to know I'm real and my thoughts are valid. Um, I get to be this person that I am. And in a world where trans people face frightening levels of violence, particularly trans women, particularly trans women of color, 
it's it's a public health issue that cisgender people know that trans people are real. That's why I, th- I think that we need books that show what's in the world, because these are people who are already in the world and are going to become adults in the world. Why do you think adults can be so quick to write something off as bad or wrong? I think it's fear. And I think it's fear of not knowing. And it's fear of not knowing in front of a child. There's a lot of assumption that the adult knows everything. And and there's a lot of discomfort with telling a kid, I don't know, let's go find out more. In general, adult, uh, kids are learning what's in the world. So when you show them something new, they go, oh, okay, that too? Cool, let me find a file. Like, let me, let me add it in. Um, adults already have programming. And they look at it and they go, this doesn't fit into my programming. This just, this is a bad file. And so, and the kid goes, well, what's this file? And they go, I have no, I have no content, no context for this file. Um, you are asking me about it and I don't know. Therefore, it's, it's just, it's just bad. It's just wrong. Just, just throw it out. Um, and when that kid, if that kid is trans, Right, that's saying throw your identity out. And that leads to shame, that leads to hiding, and the road back from shame and hiding is long and slow and there's no full recovery. And so that comes right around to the question of so why'd I write George? Because we need tools. And I don't want other kids having to wait till they're nineteen or maybe thirty or whatever, or even, you know, fifteen when you start hitting YA to find characters that they can connect with. What are some of the most heartwarming responses you've gotten from readers of George? Oh, gosh. Um, There are some really, really sweet ones. Um, One of my favorites was when it was shortly after the book came out. And this early 20s, taller, blonde, femme-appearing white person comes up to me. Um, Would you sign this book out to me? Um, I got the ARC, the advanced reader copy, you know, back, back at BEA or whatever. Um, and you made it out to my old name. (sighs) That six months must've been so big for her. Way to go. And I had some like little part in that. A big part, I bet. Can can I share one more? Please. Some people complain that, um, the book is not age appropriate. And I do believe there's no age before which it is appropriate to be compassionate. But the book isn't going to make anyone trans. Like, that's not what happens. The book can make you trans aware, which is not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. So there's this mom who contacted me on Twitter and said that she and her seven-year-old daughter had just read the book. And her kid came up to her and said, hey, my stuffed bunny is trans. And it's like, what an age-appropriate way of playing with what does it mean to be supportive? And the nurturing component in that is not to be beat, right? No, it's super good. Oh. It's super good. Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Well, I hope our readers get You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P, and have the same too. wonderful responses. Thank you so much, Alex. Sure. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much again to Alex for talking with me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Alex's books, 
check the show notes or go to scholasticreads.com. Don't miss an episode of Scholastic Reads. Find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and each episode will automatically be delivered to your phone. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.